everyone, and welcome back to the Screening Club podcast, where we talk all about the media you love. Jeff Moore here, as always, my two associates, Mike and Chris. How are you guys doing? Doing good. And uh, welcome back, Mike. I'm back. Mm-hmm. I should have made made a bigger deal. You should have. The Sorry. temperature, the temperature dr- went above freezing. I just have to say that is one of the lamest running jokes. It's not a run- everyone listening, <laughs> dear listener. It's not a running joke. Exactly. If it's true, uh, if it's true, it's it's, it's not a joke. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you do have to have to say perhaps they're not. What's the What's the that that term like? They can be correlated without them being like directly related to, to correlation. Does not equal causation. Yes. So at the very least, it's a correlation, Mike. It's a correlation that you don't come out and when it's freezing. The week you return is the week that springs spring is sprung in New I, England. I still don't. I still don't see it. But we should move on from this. <laughs> well, you did bring it up. A blind, <laughs> a blind man doesn't see his own shadow. But anyway, we're. We're happy to to welcome you back. How Thank how have you Thank been? Thank you for taking me back. Of course, of course, of course. We did everything we could to get some someone else, but <laughs> when it fell through, <laughs> we welcomed you. We welcomed you in. Thank you. In fact, you had to nice shuffle idea. off your your replacement when you showed sh- showed up tonight. But that's uh, that's okay. Who would it have been? Well, you saw you saw Tony when you came in. Right? You saw Tony leaving. <laughs> he did seem. Gave the impression that he was scorned. <laughs> yeah. Tony showed lie. up wearing his, uh, he had a custom shirt made that said Screening Club Podcast co- Co-Host, <laughs> and then he was he was about to un- unveil it to, to us, and then Mike showed up. It was very, it was very awkward, the few moments le- leading up to uh, when we started, uh, when we went <laughs> went live tonight. But, so you've been, you've, you've been well, Mike. I've been well. Let's go with that. Cool. Good. 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 Well, one Happy. thing that I was disappointed that Mike wasn't here for was our discussion about Big Little Lies. Yes. Um, because... I was disappointed myself just listening last week. <laughs> I, I, I felt just, you know, that urge, that, that instinct to chime in. To, 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 chime in you want to chime in. To yeah. confront Chris about how wrong he was in so many ways. Exactly. Well, it, it was exactly. like I was screaming into the void. No one, no one was there to listen. I will say. Let me just say one thing before you you chime in here and defend yourself, Chris. You have to admit, me and Mike, and we can go back and check this. The moment that there was the first flashback that Jane had to her rapist, me and Mike both said that guy gives us Perry vibes. That guy gives us Perry vibes. Oh sure. We both said it. Um, my, first of all, I want to say, apparently what I said last week was, contra- Mike used the word controversial in our pre-taping conversation. I don't we think any, I don't, sp- specifics, Chris. I don't think what I said was controversial at all. Uh, I was just, well, you just, you, you know, your just overall assessment of the episode was very negative. But the episode was weak. That was a weak, weak, that, weak episode. That is, I disagree. It didn't stick the landing. You're wrong. Uh, uh I thought it, it wasn't without its minor lumps, but. But overall, I thought it was a very engrossing finale uh, of TV that that really sort of capped off so many of the the dangling threads of of the season, and uh, I did so in a really impressive way. Well, agree to disagree. Can well, that. can can you just re- remind us again, Chris, what you disliked so much about this episode, so Mike has the opportunity to specifically give his his thoughts sure i didn't like i didn't hate the episode but there it was a weak episode (laughs) it it all was just too convenient everything just wrapped up too conveniently i mean yeah you can you can nitpick the the plot a little bit but i don't think you can nitpick the the emotional power and resonance though of the episode itself um and just the way it it came to resolve so many of of the threads from throughout throughout the season, I thought were were really uniquely powerful and achieved. Um, so that that's where I think you're you're very wrong <laughs> in your your opinion that it was somehow weak because it was convenient. Yeah, it was convenient, and yeah, maybe that that 
Jane's rapist and Celeste's abusive husband were, were one and the same. Yeah, that that was maybe a little bit unrealistic. Unrealistic, yeah, sure, but not the not the fact that they were the same, but the fact that she didn't had never seen him before. I'll give you that that she, she had never that, that was the him. first time she'd ever lays out, laid eyes on one of her close friends' husbands. Sure, <laughs> but like, this whole show little. takes place in the span of like what, like a couple of months. It's not that that much time, and I have to say, I felt the same way that I didn't want it to be Perry. But I didn't want it to be Perry either. Now that I've been laying it sit a little bit, who are we to say that it can't just be like an obvious thing? Like I think, why not? It doesn't always have to be some crazy thing. Like it just made it sort of like made made sense. It was a nice. They tied it up. If they had earned it, I would have. Well, I've been. The Happier. moment that they're all right there in front of that stairwell, and the moment that they all lay eyes on on Perry and they bring their own unique perspectives to to that scene, um, and when they they lock eyes themselves, that that overwhelmed all of the little nitpicky c- contrivances uh, of the episode for me. Like j- just. Just the way that they were all able to, to to come together and unite against this this tyrant, um, in complete complete uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Unity, Unity. I guess, uh, was was so terrific. See, and come on, Chris. Though there was I, and if if you listened, Mike, which you know, there was so much tension. In this episode, yes. I almost there was a time when I said, "I don't know, I might need to take a break." I I, I almost paused it because yeah. it was so. Every time uh, Celeste and Perry were alone on screen together, <laughs> yeah, was was almost too much to take. I mean, obviously, the the moment in question when when he confronts her about the the message that was left at her phone from the property manager. Oh, God. That, was it was like a scene out of a horror movie it really <laughs> was um and just the way that whole that whole thing played out and, and it just sort of led you think it's going to lead to him like driving her off a cliff or like beating her to death but it leads to like this really like sensitive emotional conversation between the two of them about how he wants to become better like he he is this evil monstrous human being but at the same time he is a human being he's not just some caricature of 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 an abuser he you don't you i don't want to say you understand or empathize with him in any way but you at least sort of see him for who he is and not just some some empty vessel it it was incredible to finally see him like at least he was trying to get across i mean he was basically just like playing the victim but like to see him like act like he wasn't in in control like it was really It was still scary. <laughs> it was scary because you don't know where, where, where he's going with it. And when they're sitting uh, in that car, I just kept saying, why won't you leave the car? Just say what – just be like, sure, sure. Like, wh- everything's fine. Why won't you leave the car? And I'm wondering, like, you know, were we just supposed to sort of s- suspend our disbelief and just think, you know, for the benefit of the story, she's not going to leave the car. I feel like most people would just be like – Yes, crazy man. Yes. Well, well, she tried to leave the car. He locked the doors. Yeah. I mean, she could have. She could have put up more of a fight. Maybe she felt in that moment safe. Like they were kind of still sort of in public. Um, they were in that that those tight. He's not going to throw her across a room and kick her. Like well, there's only so much he could do in that tight space. Yeah. Um. But yeah, that was great. And then another really high point for me was the. Uh, the revelation that her son Max was the the bully, the abuser. Oh, what an emotional. Which way. I think we had all sort of seen coming. There was a lot of heavy foreshadowing that it was one of those boys because Celeste kept saying it doesn't affect the kids. He would never yeah. hurt the kids. Um, coupled with how many sort of close calls or sort of point of views um, of of the kids we saw in that house. Um, so that was no surprise there, but just the way it was so delicately, intricately handled was was really terrific. I really, <clears throat> I thought it was so beautiful how she, the, the conversation where 
Jane mm -hmm. tells her, and then the conversation between her and Max, I think it is, her yeah. son, I was like, yeah. man, Nicole Kidman, you've done it again. The, the scene with Jane I thought was really, really rewarding and um, terrific just because we, we've seen so many versions of, of this scene play out in which like Celeste tells off Jane or gets really angry and confrontational about it. But no, she sort of, sort of soaks it in and is really like not welcoming, but understanding of, of everything that she's saying. And then to follow it up with that great scene with, with Max. Um, and you could tell like they were kind of shooting the scene from afar, not really, uh, getting too involved with the child actor um was was a it was it, it worked on a couple of friends we don't have to see a a child actor try to try to work those scenes opposite nicole kidman and it was just just to see him sort of soak into her arms like that too was was really good it was really nice and then i, I want to ask you one more thing mike when when it became clear that it was going to be one of the people in that group at the party that had went off, mm -hmm. when it was going to be one of them that died, probably. Who did you think at that point, like before the actual death happened, like before it actually went down, who who were you thinking in those final moments? Who was going to do it and who was going to die? Oh, jeez. I mean, I felt that wh whatever occurred, it was going to, Jane was going to play a heavy a heavy mm. part in it i i really wasn't thinking at that at th at any point throughout the episode one way or another who was gonna die because there was just so much uh red herring and so much foreshadowing and all these different directions so um and it made sense that it was perry it was kind of obvious that it was that it was him at the same time but uh just the way they could all come together and the way it eventually happened with, with Bonnie pushing o over the ledge, that kind of overwhelmed me because she was kind she was definitely the most underserved character of that, of that group throughout the season. And I really kind of wish that they, we had gotten to know her a bit better. Um, but just to see her take control of that situation and, and be the one to do it really worked for me. Um, mm. It just it just did like I just I love in every any any movie or TV show that I watch just like pure like altruistic acts of of heroism like that really really sort of speak to me and I and I just I I love it and it always choked me up but yeah that just seeing Bonnie do that was was awesome it was really nice except for for Chris I guess but still yeah I'm glad you guys liked it so much yeah I think. Uh... I think the uh, award season will uh, will will end up backing up maybe me and Mike rather than your your view. Oh, Chris. absolutely. Yeah, well, sometimes sweep. we all don't fall in with who the critics like. Got to go our own way. But let's let's move on. You guys, uh, you guys both watched the Homeland finale. The Homeland. Oh, yeah. The Homeland finale. <laughs> well, that's what it comes up as on the Google. The Homeland. Does it? Yeah, no. But, um, and Chris recently told me that a new show that I've been watching has a connection with Homeland, which we'll get back to later. But please, I would love to hear you guys discuss, uh, this finale of Homeland. Chris, take the floor. Uh, I like overall this season of Homeland. I think it was, it went, started off really good, mm -hmm. went down a little bit. There was a little, like, all the stories were in disarray, and then by the end of the season, it's like a diamond, you know? It started, everyone started getting closer and closer, and then now everyone met together in this final, kind of in one building, really, in the hotel. All the major players were there. Yep. Uh, I really liked this finale, but I did not like the final twist at the end. Okay. We'll get into that. Um, I thought the episode was a mix was a mixed bag. It had some some high points. It also I thought had some some low points, and that's kind of how I would describe the season as yeah. a whole. Uh, like you said, it, I think it started out really strong, 
and then it really really sagged for like three or four episodes in the middle um ever i think I, I would say the point the turning point midway through was when uh, that, that hostage situation with quinn and carrie's house yeah uh, really kind of put us in a weird place and it didn't really come back out of it until quinn i mean i guess the whole season itself revolved around quinn and i guess in a lot of ways yeah <laughs> We didn't for know, better we didn't or worse. Know about it um, and, I, and I would say the turning point for when it sort of came back out of that slump was when Quinn, we see Quinn leave the cabin and sort of get back into into his old ways, his old investigative, you know, black op, black ops uh, ways. Um, sort of take 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 back control of his situation. Um, well, even though how how bad the way Astrid went out, it gave him a reason to live again and a reason to keep going right which is what kind of brought yeah, he him was on a, a, a redemption track yeah and I, and I guess i guess he redeemed himself um with, well like he definitely did his final act of, of heroism saving the president-elect from assassination um but let's get into that <laughs> that there was a conspiracy to assassinate the president-elect that kind of in a way, came out of nowhere. Um, yeah, and I kind of wish the season, the episode and season, didn't go there. I don't know why it had to. Uh, it just seemed like one extreme too far for me. It was a conspiracy within a conspiracy, right? Which I think is what is a little bit too confusing. It just like oh man, like we we have like this whole se- so much of the season was about uh, the the deep state and like this the deep state i put in quotes uh this whole right-wing sensationalist propaganda machine (laughs) that's constantly warning about like these these sort of threats against whatever and everything and then uh, to have something like that actually play out in a in a way like that the president-elect is is under assault from her own government like uh was really weird and like kind of it reaffirmed like that that really weird point of view that we we got throughout so much of the season with that um and i guess that just brings me to like this point of like the season being overstuffed with so much shit like they had so many ideas and they just decided to throw it all at us over this band these 12 episodes i made a list and i'm gonna read it off all right Uh, give me a sec here and I, I may have even forgot some stuff, but I made a list of all the various themes uh, and explored throughout the season. Well, just random shit that happened. Uh, to start, we had uh, America's relationship to the Muslim world um, through the eyes of Sekou Ba, as well as the unfair persecution of Muslims um, from Carrie's perspective working in that law firm. Then we had all this shit with the Iran nuclear deal. Um, we had the presidential transition, the the really overarching premise of the season I would say was the president-elect versus the intelligence community mm-hmm. um, and then through Quinn we had the mental and physical health of returning war veterans so I think that was a huge point they were trying to lay yeah um, we then we also had the, the whole right-wing propaganda fake news aspect which was really interesting and I, I wish they could kind of leaned a little bit more into it earlier in the season um, and maybe sort of weaved it into the, the narrative a little bit bit better um, but then just all this shit that happened. We had Seiku Ba, ba-, ba bombing the the Quinn hostage situation. The that FBI agent that was murdered that was never really talked about again. Yeah. Um, Saul's Middle East trip, the return mm-hmm. of Shavadi, the return of Astrid, the death of Astrid, uh, Carrie's custody fight, <laughs> which played a huge part. Yeah. Um, in the season, uh, and then of course. The, the big finale, the conspiracy to assassinate the president-elect. Um, that's a lot of stuff. Yeah. And maybe if they had just sort of reined in like two or three of those things and told a really compact, concise story uh, about them, it, it would the, the end result would have been a lot more satisfying. I agree. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, one thing I really did like in the in the finale, though, that I thought was something we'd never seen in the show before, is when Dar is in prison, mm-hmm. and uh, they're they're visiting with him. It was kind of refreshing to see him speak 
in what I presume is like completely honestly for the first time and how many it's true yeah there was no real he really was just, he was just for the first time saying what was on his mind yeah what he really thought they they really took his character through some some really weird loops and places yeah um, he, at, at times he felt like the most <laughs> super villain of of super villains that that the world has ever seen and then it was it was sort of nice to see him in that more vulnerable place um in yeah. the finale but what do you think about the twist the twist of which um, i'm not even sure what the really the twist is of keen turning entirely on the yeah on the intelligence from, community on the intelligence community but from what from what that that scene with dar would say that there's something something about her that's un-american distinctly un-american i don't understand exactly what he meant by that i took that to mean like like what if how many season? times did crazy uh, talk radio people say that about Barack Obama? Like, I don't know. I just didn't really see that. Dar's not crazy talk show people. <laughs> well, he was in cahoots with them, though. He was. So, like, that kind of... You think you, you think if someone, if someone had a feel for something that's distinctly un-American, it would be, like, the senior CIA bigwig that's been there well he was years. also part of a conspiracy to assassinate no he wasn't though he wasn't well he he was he was that. adjacent to a conspiracy to i know this is off topic and i want to get back to the what you just said about um keen but i feel like there was a very distinct plot hole uh that that i haven't really seen many people talk about um involving quinn that guy returned to the cabin to kill at quinn right yeah. That was his mission, to kill her. To kill him, along with Astrid. Astrid, yeah. But at the same time, he was part of that that covert ops group that was working to um, set Quinn up as the uh, assassin of Keen. So why was he trying to kill him if at the same time he was working to set him up as this lone assassin? Unless that was unless plans evolve. I agree, it's, it could be a plot. I think that's... I think that's a plot hole. It didn't really it make sense. But anyways. Uh, but I think that d- next season... It made sense to me. Like, she d- she really did have that weird look in her eyes. That, that But it, it made sense that she would, considering time. all that occurred. She, yeah, she season. does hate the CIA. What? She does hate the CIA. Right. In the intelligence community. And doesn't she sort of blame the intelligence community for the death of her son? So like that would seem like that yeah. was kind of like hanging over the whole season. Um, but I could see like this could be this would be like a Madam Secretary designated survivor sort of twist. But I could see it's like she's like a Russian double agent. No, hell no. I don't buy that for a second. I, I think said she, distinctly un-American. I don't. Bu- you're buying into that line a little too much. Also, I think cl- she's clearly spoken by someone who's never really dug into either of those two shows, Chris. Amen. <laughs> uh, Can I get an amen? I think she's American, and I think she has the the best interest of, of America well, Yeah, at she's heart. American, but... Well, I think she has the best interest of America at heart. She just has a, a different way of, of looking at, at certain things. And what that means for Carrie, um, whether that, that job offer was genuine or if it was just part of this larger play... Um, reigns to be seen. I don't know what you thought about that. We shall see. I, uh, what her? Do job you think offer? she genuinely offered her that job, or she was just doing it just to further along that? that well, there was that scene. Of, there was that scene where she's like, where she brings Carrie to the Oval Office, and she's like, "I wanted your thoughts on this blah 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 deal, but you're gonna have to read it in here. I can't leave this room." And then like Carrie's reading it, and she's like, "Oh, no problem." And then you see like this really loving look. She like looks at Carrie like, and I and what I got from that look was like, man, after all they've been through, she like really trusts Carrie and was glad that she's around. But then this twist just threw everything into the. Maybe it was like, I'm glad you're here to be a pawn in my giant scheme to <laughs> fuck over the CIA. Yeah, and then uh, of course we ha- we have that that final shot of, of Carrie looking onward at the uh, the state house state capital um, yeah. which was as i tweeted seconds later as you very astutely tweeted <laughs> very reminiscent of the pilot in which uh, sergeant brody was was looking out at the same building 
Um, very interesting way to, to end the season. Uh, and I think it was meant to fill us in on where Carrie's particular mi- mindset is. Like she's going to have to take as on it, As it relates to, to her place in the intelligence community, but lar- more largely her, her role in the government and her role in interest of the United States going forward as such as such as Brody was thinking all the way all the way back then sounds like some crazy stuff (laughs) lots to unpack also fun fact this season was the first season I watched live how how was it for you it's good I bet you uh, probably would have been more favorable of the season if you'd watched it all at once just because of that that very saggy middle which yeah uh, could have blown past that uh, yeah. saggy middle mike what sag watching quality. it all continuously like that you typically makes up for many of many of the shows yeah you can just blow you can just blow past i think i think to house of cards when i when i say something like that is that a technical term or is that a term that we can coin here here today saggy middle when it comes to a a season of of television that's a Michael uh, let's original. Go, let's go with that. Yeah, we I think it, we've yeah. just coined a term here. Saggy here middle. Wow he he comes out he he comes out of hibernation uh, and immediately comes in and coins a new te- television. He comes out of hibernation. Term. He creates a viral tweet and creates a new viral term. That tweet went viral. It went off. You know what? He's been on a hot streak. There's, <laughs> there's no question about it. Whatever he was doing while he was in hi- hibernation, he immediately comes out, produces a viral tweet, and then comes and sits down and just nonchalantly inserts a new like buzzword. <laughs> like, yeah. Buzzword, saggy middle. I mean, what more What more can we do here? Um, but what more can you ask for? We'll, uh, we'll have to... Uh, We'll have to wait and see what happens ne- next season, right? Season so. seven, um, Alex Gonza, cr- creator, showrunner, has has come out and said that um, big big goal for him and his writers for the next two two years is to insert Carrie back into the intelligence game. She's been mm-hmm. away for a couple of years, um, so how he they how they go on to do that, uh, something to look out for. And he's also said that they will most likely be abroad for the next couple of years, season seven and eight, which will most likely be the, the final two. Yeah. Uh, so I'm glad they were able to have their sort of detour back into the United States. Um, but I'm looking forward to see what see what they can do. Season seven and eight. Let me uh, smoothly tran- transition here uh, into something I wanted to just, just quickly mention. Um, and you guys were mentioning to me before we started recording. So Damian Lewis, who had a major role. I haven't seen Home- Homeland, but had a major role in Homeland the early seasons. Yep. I just talked about him. Brody. Oh. He, wait, he's he's back? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, but he was I was, in I was referring tweet. to a season one uh, moment uh, involving Brody. I was li- I I must have been listening too too closely mm-hmm. and thinking about what what you were saying yeah. too intently to that must have just gla- glazed over. E- either way, I didn't know what his character's name n- name was. But yes, uh, I've been watching his newest show called Billions. Have either of you seen seen Billions? Never got around to it. No, I'm attempting to to binge it here as I've just uh, I've just started watching it a few few days ago. And I'm about halfway through the first season. Isn't there only two or three seasons? There's two seasons, I I think. Maybe the third season just came out. Maybe it's about two, because Homeland just ended, maybe. Um, But anyway, I love him. His character in this show is so good. He's like, he's he's a billionaire. Uh, Isn't his name uh, Axe Axelrod? His name is Bobby Axelrod. Bobby Axelrod. The company's name is Axe Capital, and everyone calls him, you know, Axe. Okay. It's... I was a huge fan of Entourage, and I'm getting a lot of Entourage vibes. Just like this guy's just traveling around, just but he's also like doing some quite like uh, Paul Giamatti is like the attorney for the United States, and he's like on his tail and like investigating him and all all this stuff. Um, 
it's really I've really been enjoying the show and just cause, you know I like watching him do crazy b- billionaire stuff too just, it's it's interesting to see how it's portrayed like how someone that's just un- unbelievably rich lives their their life and who's like ar- around them and just even like their their office and, and stuff um, but I think he does he does a great job I'm going to be looking forward to what's happening the episode I just watched, those of you that have seen it, it's the episode where um, the guy, it was really a pretty big reveal, so I won't say that that much, but we've been, uh, the U.S. has been investigating. They think that they have a mole inside of Axe's company, but it turns out we learn he knows, and they're working on, on the same team. Like, he's he's a double mole. Oh, like he, double agent. Yeah, and it was pretty he's cool. Feeding the, he's feeding the... Is it the FBI? False it's, information? IRS. No, it's just like the... Like, the FBI does come when they want to, like, ar- ar- arrest someone, but I'm not sure if it's the, the the FBI. It's whoever's, like, he's the attorney... Like, he's under the Attorney General of the United okay. States. Okay. Um, But really, like, a couple of twists with that stuff. Like, he... First, we learn at the end of this one episode that it's actually a double mole. Then... The guy, I, I guess I'll just say it because it's over a year old now or whatever. The guy dies <laughs> when he's like he's he's about to continue like or we're not sure like maybe he's really giving inf- information to the the feds or whatever. And then he like coughs blood on them and dies. Turns out he had cancer and Bo- Bobby knew, acts knew, and they did some weird trading stuff and made sure that the guy's family had a huge sum of money. Uh, and then, I guess, like, sort of in return for that, mm-hmm. uh, this guy pr- pretended to be an informant and, and, and stuff. But then at the end, and this has been, like, my first... Because there's also this backstory where Axe, like, basically made his initial huge fortune by taking advantage uh, of the stock market after nine eleven. And this big story comes out, and everyone hates him because it turns out like he saw the first plane hit, and then he bought like a bunch. He shorted a bunch of stocks that he knew were going to take a hit. Um, but then he ended up like using that to like he donated huge amounts of money to firefighters and all of this stuff. Like he, but, but anyway, there's that. Um, and then I forgot what I was talking about. Um, Bobby, where 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 is I I going with this? Apology is on his tail. We're talking about the oh, this is the first episode where like it's a little bit like he might not be a great guy because at the end of the episode it's the guy's funeral the the guy that died and there's a flashback like when the guy tells him he says I'm I'm bringing you to like my specialist like I donate all this money to like his cancer research and then the last thing of the episode is they go and see and see the guy and then the doctor comes out and starts talking to Bob, to Bobby alone. And he, he says like, there is a trial and it could add like, you know, six months on to his, his life. And Bobby sort of goes, let's not tell him about that. And we sort of think like, Oh, it's because it's beneficial to him to have him die. <laughs> like basically <laughs> yeah. to have the mole die. Um, and then like at his funeral, the guy's also gay, his husband or whatever is saying, uh, he really wanted to just live to Christmas. Like he really loved Christmas and he wanted one more Christmas and you sort of see Bobby go, Oh God. And then he has that flashback and then you see him sort of like look, look at the guy's picture and walk, walk away. It was really like, like, I guess he's, there's lots going on. There's lots going on, but I've, I've really enjoyed the show. I would recommend it friends. Um, and I'll just can continue for a moment. Uh, and I, I just want to very quickly complain about M- Madam Secretary to pick up from last last week. <laughs> um, so I'm driving home on Sunday, all set to watch Madam Sec again. To nestle in, <laughs> yeah, to, to, to nestle Sec. in with a uh, Taylioni, and I sit down, and as has become the norm, the television says Madam Sec is on, but we're in the middle of like NCIS or some other stuff. And I always just say, like, on the way home, I was like, they did this last week because of the Country Music Awards. Like, they wouldn't do it again. This week, it it was like a full hour. It started like a full hour late. What was on this week to to do that? I I think it's some sort of live sporting events. But couldn't they at least give us a heads up? Like, just let us know. Well, any sort, any, 
viewer of Sunday Night CBS, I, th- I think. I mean, you should you should be expecting this. This is what they do. I know. I've I've heard about this for for many years, <laughs> especially during the NFL season. Never expect to get your your Sunday Night CBS <laughs> at at the hour that you're hoping. What am I supposed to do to like D- DVR this though? Just say you know, starting at the time it's supposed to start. Just the, well, the, I the think rest of the night. I, I don't think they care that much because they want to encourage their viewers to watch the shows live, because that that works for them. So, what, what do you mean? What, oh, yeah, but I'm not gonna do that. And like, I feel like there's a very small amount of us that will come. Oh, we still have four hours left of this other pro programming I n- I never watch. I'll just say sit here and do this. I feel like no one ever does that. Like maybe. Also, it's know. it's like an East Coast problem i think more than anywhere else like it's only it only affects so so few of the people in the country i get you well we're we're the most important people we are the most important i agree <laughs> i think everyone knows it's like apparently not cbs executives no maybe I, they need to be reminded no and i always think though like uh isn't it weird i'm sure our our friends in california that are listening uh will not you know con- concur with this Sunday, the early games on Sunday football start at 11 a.m. or at yep. 10 a.m. Early, yeah. The One early o'clock. games That's in great. California start at 10 a.m. I wish it was like that here. Really? Yeah. Why? I like I'm an, I'm an early bird, man. I like to get it done early. You like to, yeah, but football is something I think to enjoy. I know, but I, I think, Sunday, but on Sunday nights you got episodes of HBO quality programming that and I can't watch the Sunday night game because I gotta watch my shows that's true that would probably fix that do um do so the shows that are on the west coast well we get the shows earlier though you you wouldn't sat, sacrifice that Chris we get the shows earlier we get the shows three hours like Game of Thrones comes oh. out three hours earlier here right I think actually unless you watch it on HBO Go like on HBO Go everyone gets the, you the get East Coast time you but want. most mo- like other channels you're right though and then the last thing I'll say is just you know people do stuff on Sunday morning can you imagine like you know people I, f- I feel like that's when like a, a lot of people maybe are like in church or doing like other like activities on Sunday morning like you don't want to wake up and like your whole day starting at 10 a.m. is football like I, I feel like at least the 1 p.m. gives you your morning to mm-hmm. get anything done you, you need to get done and then the afternoon football yeah I think that's how it should be done I agree thank different, you different strokes for different folks yeah I guess uh I which guess all we'll... it, just, it just brings us back to east coast it's the priority we matter the most we're the most <laughs> important I mean it's just true I don't think it's, you know, we're going too too crazy here saying that. All of TV scheduling revolves around us and our needs. <laughs> and let that not be forgotten. It's very true. It's very, very true. I also think about how, like, you know, these award shows, don't they start, like, 5 p.m. on the, on the West Coast? Mm-hmm. Like, that must be very I just learned, disruptive for I mean, work. I didn't realize that SNL airs on a tape delay across the rest yeah. of the country. It airs for us. Well, when it's live, really? but it airs at 11.30, 11.30 um, Central Time, Pacific Time, whatever, um, for for all those people in those regions, uh, until um, recently, well, the, the final four episodes of, of this current season are, are going to be airing live across the entire country. Inter- so they're just completely okay. changing and having SNL air at what, 8, 8 p.m. on yeah, the, the West I, Coast? Yeah, I, I guess well, so, on the, on the West Coast. Well, I remember when Dirty Rock uh, did their live episodes, they did... They, they, they did, did a separate versions. live show for yep. each coast. I thought that was pretty cool, and people were saying, yeah. like, oh, the East Coast. Was then they, they did, like, whatever. slightly different versions. Yeah. But, yeah, I never realized that people on the West Coast have never seen SNL, like, air live. They always watch it on a three-hour delay. It's pretty crazy. That is yeah. crazy. Must suck to suck. And <laughs> but, you know, but you know, when you said, like, the Oscars and all these award shows, they start earlier, I always, like, am envy of that because I'd love to watch an award show where it doesn't, doesn't end, like, past midnight. Yeah, it's, true. it's true. You can go to sleep at a reasonable hour and not have to watch this, like, over a long game. Or, like, when the Celtics were in the NBA Finals against the Lakers, like, we were... Us, us sad sacks on the East Coast are watching the games until midnight, the yeah. night of a work night. I Whereas, will say this, though. I do like it's, it's the same feeling I get, like, 
in New York City or like in places like Las Las Vegas and stuff like that. I like the feeling of like stuff going on around me. Like I like a big city and like knowing that there's bustling and stuff stuff going on. So in a way, like I love to be able to like you know, uh, l- Angels games will like go go on until like one a.m. So, sometimes, right? Like base baseball games, and I. I like that. I like just having it all. You, you, you know, Mike Trout's out there. He's working sure. hard. He's working hard while I'm I'm am snoozing, and that's <laughs> that's the way I, I I like it. It makes me feel like the world is working hard, and there we go. The world keeps spinning even <laughs> yeah. as as we sleep. Sure. <laughs> Very good. So let's let's bust out a couple more quick hits, Mike. You, you want to talk Better Call Saul, huh? <laughs> that's right. I forgot I did. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm here for you. Better Call Saul returned this past week for season three and it, that show is so good it is just the most just effortless show on tv or at least the i'm sure there's a lot of effort that goes into it but the way they they convey so many of the so much of the plot and the the, the churnings of, of of all that the uh, most is, effortless show on tv is called designated Sur- <laughs> oh, no <laughs> no well, maybe that de- maybe maybe you're right. Like sorry. in the most literal sense of the word. Oh, but sorry, sorry to to interrupt, please. But uh, yeah, the show is just so detail oriented and methodical, and it it always has been. And that was the same case for Breaking Bad. But it feels like with this premiere, like to the extreme, they took that in, in that we got so many just dialogue free scenes of characters just sitting around hard at work just just doing their thing for like 10 minutes at a time and it's not it sounds like it might be boring but it's not it's just so fascinating to watch these very smart people doing really smart things in the service of this of this really great story um yeah i'm talking about the character of mike i'm talking about jimmy his brother chuck um I don't want to get too specific about this episode because Chris is now a season and one episode behind for for some reason. I've been yeah. telling him that season two is on Netflix and he's been very just sort of passive and, you know, just like, <laughs> go away. Go the shows to watch. Fuck you. <laughs> Every time I bring it up. <laughs> Classic. Classic Chris. Go to the shows to watch. I mean, Better Call Saul should take a priority. It is one of the, like the five or six best shows it's on TV. It's a great show, but there are other and, shows. I mean, especially, I mean, I think season two really elevated itself above season one. That's definitely And true. season three is off to a hell of a start. I, not even, like, not even a lot happened in this episode. I just loved watching it because I love these characters. I love this world that Gilligan and Peter Gould have have amassed and i'm just so excited to see where it goes um as chris and i discussed in the the, our pre pre taping conversation uh he is aware that gus ring is is set to return this season um we don't see him in this episode but it sounds like we will in the next uh, because it leaves off with with mike on his trail and uh I can't wait. Gus Fring is one of the more iconic TV characters, I think, of the last decade or so. And it's just so cool that we're this prequel series of Breaking Bad. We we have the chance to not only just be reintroduced to him, but to learn even more about him for an indefinite amount of time. Who knows how much Gus Fring we're going to get, but I, I can't wait to get it. I've never seen... Either either of those shows, Better Call Saul or Breaking yeah, that's Bad. That's a real shame. <laughs> well, don't aren't, aren't you envious? I I maybe have a lot. Well, of I, I hope TV. you do. I hope it's it's in your plan to get around to them. <laughs> you are making it sound alluring. That's for. I mean, Breaking sure. Bad is. I mean, it's a consensus opinion at this point that Breaking Bad is among like three, four, five best TV dramas ever. Mm. Better Call Saul isn't quite at that level, but it is a superior show to most everything else. And I don't, I can't see it ever sort of reaching the, those, those levels of breaking bad just in terms of, of quality and in terms of the way everyone else reacts to it. But it'll, it'll come damn close. I think 
good thoughts. Chris, can you tell us a little bit about Santa Clara Diet? Hey, I've been watching the Santa Clara Diet. This is what he's watching instead of Better Call Saul. And with that being said, thanks for your thoughts, Chris. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's move on. I, I've been sucked into the Santa Clara Diet because it's such a bizarre show. It's not a very good show. He has what? other shows to watch, Mike. May not, I ask what turned you to the show? show? Was it like a podcast I'll that you were I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what happened. Recommended it? The Walking Dead ended. And I said, I need more zombies in my life. That's so, it. This show is, is, is about zombies? Yeah. What do you think the diet consists of? Dead bodies. No. Yep. I didn't get any... I would have had no idea if I, if I watched it. I Sorry. knew this because at one time I turned on the Netflix app on my Xbox and I was force-fed like a trailer to the show. Like I didn't even click on it. It just popped up. Yeah. And there it was. <laughs> Let me give you the elevator pitch. And I said, pitch. no, thank you. <laughs> have there been zombies in the, in the trailers? trailers i don't know but in there's only been one so far in the in the show let me give you the elevator pitch okay drew barrymore and timothy oliphant are they sell houses and they, they flip them sort of they work for like this agency okay and in the middle of showing one of the houses drew barrymore like vomits a comical amount of of vomit up like it's it, and some bad cgi is included is, is this an elevator pitch or is this just the synopsis of, of the first episode no nope, no nope, because it'll 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 come around okay okay so then she goes into the bathroom timmy oliphant like cleans it all up and ushers the family out then we find out drew marymore has died <laughs> drew marymore comes back to life as a zombie but a zombie that can talk and Seems to look exactly like other humans. Oh my god. But only wants to eat wants to eat other people. That's crazy. So it's kind of this it's this push and there's these funny moments where like they're discussing like how do we get a body? Oh do we who do we kill? Should we do mm -hmm. like a Dexter style, like yep. find bad people to kill <laughs> and eat them? Did, it, did they reference Dexter in their discussion of this? No, but they were but they definitely could have. They were <laughs> Like, they were, like, looking around, like, oh, this guy sells drugs to kids. Oh, he wouldn't be that bad. So it's it's kind of just this, like, almost like a sitcom about this zo weird zombie thing. But it's just so bizarre. It's so weird. Is it a half hour? Yeah, it's a half hour. And it's so, and, and it's Netflix, so, like, it's super violent in parts. Like, shockingly violent. And you can tell Drew Barrymore, like, really loves what she's doing. Cause she gets <laughs> to do some really weird, like, messed up stuff. And it's just so bizarre. Like, Timothy Oliphant is the eternal badass star of Justified, but he plays, like, this hempecked, like, just husband that, like, can't win a bar fight. Just trying to get his wife some, some human flesh? Yeah, just, like, so... It's so weird seeing Timothy Oliphant, who you know can, like, beat up anyone, be, like, cowering at, like, people in a bar, like, oh, no, don't punch me. It's like, dude, you're the star of Justified. Anyway, it's sort of like too crazy to not keep watching. I have to see where it goes. And it's coming back for season two. Wow. What a, uh, it's cool. it's what a slap bizarre. Bizarre is the only thing that really <laughs> encompasses the word. Wow. Okay. Well, that, that does sound pretty cool. I mean, if you're into that stuff. I don't even know if I'm into it. I'm just continuing to watch it. Just willing to watch it as long as it's not correctly acclaimed that's me I don't I don't always follow what the critics like can you I give me a, like a horse. time period for when you hope to have watched season 2 of Brit, um, Better Call Saul by in a few weeks I'm going to start I'm going to start this weekend oh good and I, I told him the other, last night to start recording episodes season 3 now so when he's done he can just jump back right back into it he was pretty um passive about that as well they'll be on demand exactly like i have to like physically record every episode on a vhs tape you never amc's i like i said amc is very stingy you never know when they okay. might just take something off because they they know that that if they do you will go out and, and give them money to watch it <laughs> that's good stuff that's good stuff. let's quickly touch on we have two uh Two big big boys re returning next next week. We've got Veep, 
and we've got leftovers. Yep, right? that's right. I faded away from watching left leftovers, but I know that everyone loves it. Um, so I'd like to just really quickly just what are we looking forward to for each, each of these shows? Why don't you guys start with left leftovers? What's well, the final shortened final season of the leftovers? Oh my god, I'm so excited! I'm so excited too. <laughs> this is my my absolute favorite show on TV. Me too. I I'm, I'm in the midst of my season two rewatch right now as we speak. I've got five left. Um, there was only eight in that season. I last say. season was uh, ten episodes. Ten, okay. So I'm just sort of getting prepared. Um, not so much from like a plot perspective character perspective but from like an emotional perspective (laughs) because that show is so heavy and uh i just want to be more in tune with uh with the characters going through this new season um and it's just i've i've talked about a lot about it it's just so great and this new season similar to last season is going to pretty significantly depart from pun intended yeah <laughs> from the, the the previous one uh, and that we'll get a new setting probably some new characters uh, it's not gonna take place as much in texas as it will in australia which is pretty radical mm-hmm. um which was a pretty heavy i wouldn't say heavily but uh it was alluded to last season a lot of there was a lot of stuff a lot of shit going on sort of in the background in australia yeah uh especially uh involving kevin's father which I know we're going to get a lot of. Yeah. And that's going to be great. I have no doubt. I can't wait. On a slightly lighter note, <clears throat> Veep. Yes. It's coming back, too. Now, when we left off with Veep, it sort of seemed like everyone was going to go off and do their own thing. Selena was I screwed. would say it had us questioning whether or not like the show could possibly continue. It got sad, like when she's sitting in the rain. Like that was all very, very sad. Like it seemed like the the, yeah. the, the bitter end. <laughs> yeah, this is gonna be a big test season for Veep, if it can. I mean, it's it's gonna be radically different, right? I yeah. love a show that is willing to to shake itself up like that mm. and completely turn it like its premise on its head. And it, I would say it already kind of did that from elevating Selena to president, and now it's it's doing it even more so by taking that away from her and making her now a former president out, out of government and still holding on to the title of title of the show veep veep i know that's so crazy well, i think it's because symbolically she'll always be the veep even even she when she will was always pres- be the veep even when she was the president she was a veep <laughs> i'm looking forward to I, I know we had talked a little bit about this but like her going on like the missions that they send former presidents on like oh selena like i'm gonna need you to go to africa and like on a goodwill mission (laughs) and like i I just imagine her going and being extremely cynical uh, about it but behind the scenes and stuff like that but it's gonna be so weird i'm I'm wondering like what of her core group is going to be with her like i'm assuming they're they're gonna find a way for gary to be with gary of course uh yeah, I mean, who else? Who else? She she'll still have among her <laughs> remains to be seen. I think I see in some of the trailer. I see Amy hanging around her. Um, I, I didn't e- even watch a trailer. Oh. Going in fresh. Oh, thanks, okay. Mike. <laughs> oh, I'm I'm just wondering, like, either we're going to be like so disjointed and visiting people in all these different places, or some of them have to come together a little bit. Like, there's there's oh, gonna yeah. be some like someone's working on I bet they'll work their way back together by the end of the season what I'm like really excited about though is that is to see John H. Ryan Congressman Jonah Ryan in action (laughs) with with Richard T. Splett at his side and that will sort of remain as as our window into (laughs) D.C. I'm hoping John H. Ryan that is that is one of my favorite jokes (laughs) (laughs) i'm just uh, that that's <laughs> gonna be great and i need more of that duo and i just more of richard he, i think he really at the at the end of last season he had really elevated himself to <laughs> a list 
beat character. <laughs> it was it's some. They're really all good stuff. in the runway A list, but uh, Richard more more than a little bit more than others, I would say. It's a great cast, and just Julia Louis Dreyfus is just as always, just so so good. She's really, I think, I think she's my favorite actress. She's wow. just, I just love love I, her. I'm not gonna disagree disagree or argue with you i mean <laughs> she's just she's always the, the great comedic actress of, of her time there, there's there's no no question she really is and just the the amount that they clearly let you know the uh the improv come yeah. through is so good it's mm-hmm. so good it makes the show just so good and they really push they push things a bit some, some sometimes which is uh which is really enjoyable but um we'll we'll be looking forward to that i do want to say this we always want to get get to this but i promise next week i will pick uh some some listener emails and we we will make sure to get to that stuff because we do love reading that stuff and i'm sorry that we haven't uh made made time for it so please keep uh keep sending in but until then can you guys share with us where we can find you you online mike uh, on Twitter, as always, at linguistics underscore. I know you guys had trouble with that uh, in my absence. <laughs> I thought I, I I remembered, didn't I? I think also, you misplaced the underscore. Also, isn't it like goodwill enough that we tried to make the effort to mention your your social pr- profiles? Absolutely not. Get it right. <laughs> oh my god! Um, <laughs> wow. Th- thank you. And then uh, screeningclub.com, as always. And Chris. Twitter.com slash that Morris screenclub.com obviously. And I just do want to give a shout out. We, we run a great Instagram account, screening club, Instagram. And we had a, sorry, I'm springing this on you guys. We had a great follower. I want to bring it up here. This is great podcasting, Chris. Yeah, I'm bringing it up. Well, actually, who's the, what's the name of the president on designated survivor? Don't bring us in into this, Chris. And it's Kirkman. Okay, there's a man on Instagram that, fo- that followed us who he, t- he Instagrams in character as President Kirkman. <laughs> why don't I know? Why, why does Chris Chris know, know about this? Well, I, I don't know well, if you Chris, guys know. Chris but is the unofficial I, runner. I pretty much run our Instagram, account, Instagram account. And one thing that I do on our Instagram account, which is a fun, it's a fun little Easter egg for all of our Instagram followers, is that Almost every every post that I make, I hashtag designated survivor. <laughs> Is even, that true? Yeah, even though even though it has nothing to do with it, like on my recent when I saw uh, Ghost in the Shell, I did hashtag designated survivor at I the end. I didn't know you were doing this. And uh, President Tom Kirkman, aka Tom Kirkman USA on Instagram, has caught on to this and he started liking some of our photos that have nothing to do with designated <laughs> Tom survivor. But uh, so shout out to him. I followed him back. He followed us. Uh, <laughs> thanks for thanks for the uh, likes, Tom Kirk. Hardy, fifty six followers for Tom Kirk. I'll be checking you out, Tom. Let's let, let's make that fifty seven. Yeah. See what 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 we can do. Um, but wow, yeah. Shout out, Tom. I had no idea. Chris has his own little like <laughs> Instagram DS world going on that I had yeah. no no clue about. Um, but anyway. Can I just say this, uh, uh, just as I go through this account, um, big fans of the uh, the chief of staff. I don't know his name. He tweets in characters. Eric, chief of staff Aaron. Many, many photographs of him have been shared. Uh, Aaron's no longer the chief of staff. So maybe there's uh, some, some sort of hidden romance crush going on between those two that we're, that we're unaware of. This, this account would lead you to be... <laughs> We'll see if we can get to the bottom of this. We'll see what what, what we could do. But uh, guys, until next time, as uh, as Chris and Mike mentioned, you can find us at screeningclub.com for more articles, insight, and to share your thoughts. Uh, make sure to reach out to us, screeningclub at gmail.com. We love reading uh, what you have to say and your thoughts. Make sure to follow us, uh, apparently, especially on Instagram, if you're interested in a designated survivor hashtagging. Uh, but on all social media, we love... Uh, 
next week.